Welcome. I'm Mark Brickler, and I am the author of more than 50 books. Uh, number one bestseller for us has been How to Hear God's Voice. So I want to talk about hearing God's voice as it relates to a person writing a book and, and how I write books from the voice of God, because all books I've written <laughs> do flow from the voice of God. So first, we'll have to talk about how in the world we hear God's voice. Um, for me, I couldn't hear God's voice for the first 10 years of my Christian life. And when I asked people for help, they just said, well, you just know that you know that you know. And I didn't know, so I was very angry over that. And finally, uh, had a thought come to me to spend a year of my life learning to hear his voice. That thought, of course, was his voice, but I didn't know that spontaneous flowing thoughts were his voice at that point. Now, at this point in my life, I understand that. So I took a year and he uh, showed me, God showed me four keys. Habakkuk used him. Um, he went to his guard post, Habakkuk did. So Habakkuk 2, 1, one and 2. So you quiet yourself down. You, so if I'm going to write a book, or if I'm going to capture flow, I'm going to quiet myself down, quiet my own thoughts. <laughs> and then he's Habakkuk said, I'm going to keep watch to see. So I'm going to uh, do what King David did. I'm going to... I. I, ha I have set the Lord at my right hand. I'm going to picture him right here next to me, helping me, assisting me, and in this case, assisting me write a book or assisting you write a book. <laughs> and um, then key number three is I'm going, to, I'm going to keep watching to see what he will speak to me. So we're going to say God's voice sounds like spontaneous flowing thoughts that light upon your mind. Uh, John 7, 37 to 39, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit. So when I tune to flow, I'm tuning to the spirit. And um, I'd read that verse. I just never owned the revelation and said, hey, Mark, when you're in flow, when you speak in flow, you're anointed. You're speaking the oracles of God. When you, when you, um, when you think in flow, you have the mind of Christ. And when you write in flow, you're, you're right, you're, it's anointed writing. And so I've learned, hey, I, I want to live out of flow. Um, the word for prophecy true prophet in the Bible is Nava, which means to bubble up. I want to live out of bubbling thoughts, not my analytical thoughts. Analytical thoughts are mine, flowing thoughts that line up with the names of Satan, accusative, adversarial, lies, condemnation. That's uh, demonic. That's coming from evil spirits and thoughts coming from the Holy Spirit uh, line up with the names of Jesus, loving, kind, healing, comforting, comforter, teacher. So I purpose to only allow one of those three kinds of thoughts in my mind. Uh, my eyes fixed on Jesus, my own thoughts quieted down, asking Jesus for his input on, in this case, my writing. I tune to flow and I type from flow or I write from flow. <laughs> so it's all, that's pretty simple. And, th and that was key number four is God said to Habakkuk, inscribe the vision. So get your pencil out or get your hands on your keyboard and begin to write. So those are the four keys that I would use when I'm writing a book. Um, Jesus was pretty clear about the whole thing. <laughs> he says in John 6, 63, he says, my ramas, and that's a word translated as, as, as a, it's a Greek word translated, uh, my word, but it means spoken word. My spoken words, Jesus says, my spoken words are spirit and life. And man, when I write <laughs> and when I speak, I want spirit and life. My spoken words are spirit and life. So if I'm hearing what Jesus is speaking, I'm speaking that or writing that, it's spirit life. He goes on to say, and the flesh profits nothing. <laughs> yeah, if I go back and reread something I've just written, and it's as boring as can be and puts me to sleep, I know it's going to put my readers to sleep. I know they won't buy the book. And so I, I know I haven't tuned to flow, and I 
go back and tune to flow and the Lord shows me how to rewrite it so it's full of life. And the key thing about writing, he said, Mark, he said, your story is your sword. So always lead with your story. So whatever I'm talking, whenever I'm writing, I will start with a story because I want to draw people into a reasoning process with me. Come, let us reason together, God said. And I want my readers to be reasoning together with me, caught up in the story, caught up in the drama, living the drama, experiencing the drama, and finding the blocks that I worked through and the success I finally came to so they can work through their blocks and come to their successes also. So that's what makes a good book, as I understand it. I'm, of course, I'm a how-to writer, so I'm always writing, how do you make this work? How do you make Christian experience work? That's that's what I write about all the time, Okay. <laughs> And uh, when I envision Jesus sitting here next to me, he's always smiling, laughing, telling me to relax, lighten up, have a good time. Because when I'm laughing and smiling, the flow is there. And when I'm stressed out and uptight, it cuts off the flow. So that's why I wear party shirts most of the time, because it keeps me in a party mood. And, and that's the mood where the anointing can flow. And uh, otherwise, I'm too much of a workaholic and too much of a type A person to be able to capture the flow of the spirit, which happens when I cease my labors and enter into his rest. <laughs> so we're answering, I want to answer, I write about the struggles and battles that I have. I write about real life situations. If you'll notice, the Bible's a storybook, which offended me because when I used to teach as a left brain thinker, I would turn the Bible into systematic theology and teach that, which of course puts people to sleep. And those, those kinds of books, systematic theology don't sell well at all. Story formatted books sell really, really well. And um, so I was complaining to God about the way he wrote his Bible. He said, Mark, I wrote it right the first time. He said, life is a story. And when you write stories and share your story, it resonates as true life and real life to the reader. And they're drawn in because it's, it's their life, not just your life, it's their life. And so whenever I'm writing, I'm asking God, Lord, give me the stories that that are from my life, but also I know will relate to the life of the reader that I'm writing to. And I'm always picturing who I'm writing to, okay? So I'm picturing Jesus here communicating to that person or that group of people for being spirit-filled Christians and sharing with them. So if I am picturing, that's a right brain function, so I'm tuned to the right side of my brain. Intuition is also a right brain function, and emotions a right brain function, which means as long as I'm picturing, I'll be in the spot where flow kicks in and where emotion kicks in so I can communicate with passion and communicate with flow. And of course, that makes my writing better. That makes my speaking better. So I like understanding left and right hemisphere brain functions and getting out of the thinking, rational, analytical mode and getting over to the intuitive, visionary mode. Um, Einstein said, he said, um, information is not knowledge. He said, experience is knowledge. And uh, so I want my writer, readers to have an experience. I want to share my experience and draw them into it so they can have their own experience uh, with the living Lord. The Bible talks about knowing. Paul talks about true knowledge, which is experiential knowledge. One of the words used in the New Testament for that kind of knowing is gnosko, which is a word for a husband knowing your wife and bearing a child. So again, that's that's intimacy, that's encounter, that's experience. That's not an intellectual knowing, that's an encounter knowing. So all of my books, I wanted to be encounter books, story books, drawing people in. 
And I want to reason together with them. So <laughs> there's only one command in the Bible about reasoning uh, that commands us to reason. It says, come, let us reason together. Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter one, verse 18, I believe it is. So uh, if it's not, you'll find it. But um, so the only command to reason is reasoning with God. And then he goes on to, now I'm gonna, I think of reasoning as a left brain analytical function. But look look how God reasons the night rest of that verse. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'm going to make them white as snow. Well, that that's pictures, two pictures. Sins of scarlet, that's a picture of my need. White as snow is a picture of God's provision. And uh, so when I'm reasoning together with my readers or with the audience I'm speaking to, I have two pictures in the back of my mind. Uh, let's say I'm going to be teaching on vision, how to open the eyes of your heart. I'm going to have a picture of where they're at which because they're Protestants, they re Protestant Reformation rejected vision pretty completely when it was formed. And so most Protestants have had, had no, no teaching on it. They're blind as a bat. That's where they're at, sins of scarlet. And then white as snow is, okay, what's God's provision for being blind as a bat? <laughs> he said, my provision is I want you to be like Jesus who did only what he saw his father doing, uh, John 5, 19, 20, and 30. So Jesus is seeing vision all the time. So I'm holding those two pictures in the back of my mind while I teach for an hour on vision. That means I'm going to teach from flow, and flow is going to be giving to me anything that they need to hear to help them step from their depravity, being blind, into God's fullness, which is being a continuous 24-hour seer. Now, that's a brilliant, wonderful principle, that if I'm picturing them and their need, I'm picturing Jesus speaking to them, I'm going to be tuned to flow, and flow is going to give me whatever they need to hear to step with me through the process and to come to victory on the other side of it. Million-dollar principle. Of course, leading with your story is a million-dollar principle, and your story is your sword is a million-dollar principle. They're, they're all what I would consider million-dollar principles. So, so for example... <laughs> The uh, the life issue right now that I'm wrestling with is when you pray for healing, because the Bible is pretty clear that by his stripes we are healed. Why is it some people are like instantly healed? It's a miracle. And other people, they walk away and they're not. And it looks like failure. Is it failure? Um, sure feels like it. Sure looks like it. Uh, but then <laughs> the Lord is beginning to show me something. He says, God has given miracles and gifts of healings. And I said, well, I don't need gifts of healings. I want miracles. He said, I gave them both. They're both important. I said, really? I mean, uh, and he's even got two different words, a word for a Greek word for miracle, and then another word, therapeuto, which is also, which is trans, translated heal. They're both these two words are translated heal. But th therapeutics is healing through a process um, where a miracle healing is an instantaneous healing. Well, since the New Testament translates them both heal, I have no consciousness as to whether the Bible is talking about a process healing or an inst inst instantaneous healing. And in the same verse, in the book of Acts, it talks about Paul healing first person with an instantaneous miracle. And then the rest of the people from the island who came to get healed, um, he healed them with therapeutic, process healing. I thought, wow. So... Maybe when people walk away not instantaneously healed, maybe I shouldn't envision that as defeat. Maybe I should see that as a process healing. 
And then I would like to ask, well, God, how come you use process healing with some and you don't with others? And since we all want miracle healing, why don't you do that? I mean, is there a value in process healing? If so, what is it? Jesus, did you do some process healings? Yeah, I can give at least four examples where he did. Um, and, and I think I've got some pretty good ideas bubbling within me as to why God uses process healing. I mean, he can heal a smoker of lung cancer instantaneously, but if if he ha if that person hasn't learned to repent of his sin of smoking, you're probably going to have lung cancer again in, in six months. So maybe he needs process healing, and maybe he needs to learn to repent of his sin, overcome his sin. I mean, the Bible of James does does say when you come together, if you're sick, if you you know confess your sins one to another, you will be healed. So maybe there's maybe now we're starting to delve into the reason why God uses process healing because he wants to change me on the inside. So whatever I'm doing that brought the sickness up on me in the first place, I deal with it so I don't just suck the whole thing back after he does a miracle. So that could be a really interesting book, Miracles versus Gifts of Healings. And why does God use process healing when he, when he can do miracles? That might be a good title. I don't know. But... I want, I want to know the answer to this because I want to understand healing. I don't want to go away defeated half the time saying, well, you know, a lot of times people aren't healed. I'm not sure I should be saying that. I'm not sure that's even true. Maybe they're in the middle of a process healing. And if I help them understand the process healing and what they're supposed to be doing during the process healing, uh, dealing with the roots of the disease, because when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it wasn't instantly evident that the thing had died because the next day they noticed it had died from the roots on up. So Jesus dealt with the root of it. And later, 24 hours later, it was visible. Maybe you need to teach people that process and teach them how to make that process work in their life and say, Lord, show me the root of this sickness so I can remove it so that over the next few days or weeks or months, whatever it takes, um, the disease, the manifestation of the disease will fall away. <laughs> could be a good seller it sure could it's going to answer a really important question to an awful lot of people who are praying for healing so the titles of my books come from flow the themes of my book come from flow as i write it comes from flow for example i'll go to sleep at night fall asleep saying lord give me you know give me some answers uh for what's the next section of this book i'm writing some insight and uh, of course, my heart will work on whatever I ask it to work on all night. And uh, I'll wake up in the morning and flow will be there. So the Lord says, don't uh, check your emails in the morning. He says, um, come to me, tune to flow and uh, write from flow. So my morning devotions is writing from flow. And if I'm working on a book, then a section of the book is going to flow out. Might be five minutes, might be 15 minutes, might be 25 minutes, might be in two hours. I, I'm going to write from flow till the flow is done. And when the, when the flow is done or when I realize I've fallen out of flow, I'm going to quit. <laughs> because it, my writing's only anointed if I'm in flow while I write. Um, my rhemas are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. When I get into the flesh and, and the flow is gone, it's just my, me thinking I'm not going to keep writing because it accomplishes nothing. It's not going to sell. It's not going to change anybody's life. Um, I'm quitting oh, until flow kicks in again. And it should kick in for sure. The next morning it should be there, I would think. And it may even kick in later in the day. You know, I mean, there's ways to kick the flow back in. You can pray in tongues for a while. You can smile. You can celebrate. You can worship. You can um, 
look up some scriptures, you know. I mean, for this book on healing, I'll be looking up the Greek word, every single verse that has the Greek word therapeuto in it to find out all the different examples of therapeutic healing. And then every verse in the Bible, New Testament, that has the word for miracle in it. And I'm going to be looking in that, those, two, those, those two lists, contrasting them, tuning the flow and saying, God, what do you want to show me from these two lists? And then sharing what I'm finding with my readers. So there'll be some investigative research being done. God's going to show me what to investigate. I'm going to tune to flow while I'm investigating. The summaries are going to come from flow. It's all going to come from flow. <laughs> and uh, if it does, if it comes from my life's battles and it helps me take a step forward, helps me have a new living encounter with God, then it will very, very likely help my reader have a new living encounter with God also and help him take a step forward or her take a step forward in Christ. Um, and it should be an anointed book that can change lives and can be meaningful in the marketplace and can sell. So that's the way that um, I write from flow. At the ends of my chapters, uh, I make I make sure to draw the reader in by asking some application questions. You know, when have you experienced this in your own life? And then a journaling question. And I teach them, I, I always, always put the four, an article on the four keys, hearing God's voice in the appendix of the book. Where, so it's a two-page article, which I will make that link available to you. You can take that two-page article on four keys, hearing God's voice, put it in the appendix of your book. I give you free permission to do that. Just email me at mark, M-A-R-K, at cluonline.com. Mark at cluonline.com and, and ask for that article and permission to, to throw it in your book. We've already had 60 people put that in appendixes to their book. And, th and then at the end of each chapter, we have two-way journaling questions where we say, ask the Lord this question. So in this case, it's going to be, Lord, what do you want to say to me about instantaneous healing miracles versus process healing? Lord, uh, to heal the root cause of the illness that I'm facing right now, what would you want to show me about what that root cause is and what I need to do to remove that root cause so that uh, it, it goes away and the manifestation dries up and disappears? I mean, those would be great, great, great journaling questions. Now, God is speaking directly to them, <laughs> which is about a million times better than me speaking to them. It's a million times more authoritative. It's a million times more life-changing. So I'm going to have journaling questions at the end of every chapter, because I want them to hear from the wonderful counselor. I, I'm not the wonderful counselor. I just want to connect them to the wonderful counselor and let them receive wonderful counsel. So those are some ideas for how I write. Um, let me just give you some resources. Um, if you want to connect with me directly, you can. It's mark at cluonline.com. If you'd like uh, some free training on the four keys to hearing God's voice and that, take a look at what that free article would look like, uh, um, you can go to our website, www.cwg, which stands for communion with God, cwg ministries, that's plural, ministries.org forward slash four, the number four, and then the word keys, cwgministries.org forward slash four keys. You will find an hour of me teaching on the four keys. You will find uh, an article, a uh, two-page article or so on the four keys. You'll find free videos you can sign up for and receive on me teaching on the four keys. 
Um, you'll find the whole book, 300 page book on the four keys, 10 hours of videos. Um, if you want to purchase some things, we got all the resources you want and need there to teach you how to hear God's voice so that you can then apply God's voice to whatever you're writing about. And that's been the process of my life. I've um, now taken written over 50 books and I've applied the voice of God to 50 different areas of, of spiritual growth, business, uh, whatever else, I've, healthcare. Um, taking the voice of God into each area, um, let them let the reader interact with God's voice. You know, I share scripture and revelation of my struggle and my battle. Then at the end of each chapter, I say, okay, you journal, let God talk to you. So uh, we've got um, over 50 books that do that. And uh, I would encourage you to, to write those kinds of books. Because if you bring people into living encounters with the living God, I can't think of anything better that we would want to do. I mean, that was the that was the goal in the Garden of Eden, a daily living encounter with the living God. Jesus, the second Adam, restored what the first Adam lost. I think you and I in our writings want to be restoring that, what uh, the second Adam gave to us. My sheep hear my voice. And leading your readers into hearing the voice of God for themselves so God can counsel them, God can heal them, God can direct them, God can inspire them, and uh, God can move mightily in their lives. All right, so that's a brief introduction. Hope that's been helpful. And um, this is Mark Berkler signing off. God bless. We'll catch you later. <clears throat>